0: RPG Lessons Learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. Welcome to RPG Lessons Learned. Uh, If you've never listened before, we talk about our specific game sessions and lessons that we actually learn during them so that GMs can learn from our mistakes. And I'm I'm here with I love that. (laughs) I need to start doing that more. I I did it a couple episodes ago. I I don't think you said
1: it that way, though.
0: I'm going to say it a different way every time. Okay. But the same thing.
1: That, like, crystallizes the whole concept. So, Brian, how are you? I'm great. I just had uh, a coffee, a large diet Dr. Pepper, and now I'm working on my first rock star for the day. It's now my second rock star for the day.
0: Is the Diet Dr. Pepper caffeinated? I don't know. So. Like, is, is is Dr. Pepper, is Dr. It's, Pepper it's, caffeinated? I'm sorry.
1: It's Diet Coke. And oh, okay. Diet Coke is heavily caffeinated. Yes. Awesome. Of all the non-hyper-caffeinated beverages, the ones that are intentionally sold as caffeinated, Diet Coke is the highest. It's right up there with Mountain Dew.
0: So, it's a very energetic episode for you. Absolutely. And then we also have Mike with us. Hello. Mike, at this point, I think in the credits, you've gone from... Um, what do they call it? A guest star to a, quote, regular.
1: That's awesome. I'd love to be a regular. So, so does that mean that Mike's going to show up every weekend at my house?
0: Well, I mean, we could talk about that offline. Are you okay with that? I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I, would, I, would,
1: I would love to come back to RFC Studios anytime you want to have me. This Considering this is the only time I ever see you, I would be A-okay with that. I
2: know. I agree. I, I need I need more personal time with Brian, too. Yes. So, so
1: to spend a moment
0: doing some BS gatekeeping here. So Brian, at what, how many episodes in does Mike have to be? before we edit the title card to say Dusty, Brian, and Mike?
1: Um, I would say at least five more. At least
0: five more? Yeah.
2: Okay. When When you edit the title card, can you just do like a really crappy MS paint job where you just write Mike on it with like the I the could. pencil the oh pencil i, I
0: kind of love that idea of the and mic being clearly a different font slash afterthought
1: yeah i like that so with that being said though we probably should be uh thinking about new album art in general because i think we should probably cycle through that at least once a month it'd be nice if we had a lot of different album art to play with Ooh, it's just a cheap podcast trick to get more downloads okay
0: I'm i'm sitting here thinking about what we can do next i was so proud so for those of you who don't know um That's that's my arm holding that binder, and the cufflinks didn't quite come through in the album art. I love my D twenty cufflinks, and the whole point of of capturing the picture of of me holding the binder was to also get the D twenty cufflink. So uh, we we should play with. We're moving further away from our business ethos. We're still doing lessons learned, but we're not making it as business oriented, and I'm kind of okay with that.
1: I honestly, the one of the other podcasts I do. uh, How was your weekend? Is going more heavily business because that's what I love talking about. Yeah. And Radio Free Cybertron, uh, the primary podcast I do, um, we always try to talk about things from the business perspective. We talk about transformers, um, and what people don't realize is Hasbro, the company that produces them, and Takara, they're businesses. So they're <laughs> constrained by you know the types of uh, constraints that a business has, like capital. Like, yeah. like they don't, they don't chain. manufacture
0: things based on that, whether or not it will be cool, <laughs> exactly. but based on whether or not people will purchase it.
1: And I love talking about things in the, from a business context. It's, it's. I think it's becoming my thing.
0: Okay. Well, I, I, we still do talk about lessons learned every episode. Yes, we do. So that that is the business piece of it, because in business, you do the same thing. You talk about you do something. You don't have data. It's squishy. You, what, what do you do? You You round up everyone involved, and you talk about lessons learned so you can get better next time. So that's what we do. All right. Today, we are talking about the adventure from the Pathfinder Beginner Box, Blackfang's Dungeon. Um, and I ran this for you guys probably six months ago. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah. Um, he, has it only been six months? I guess so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and Maybe even... Yeah. So we, we played bi-weekly. Um, but this was the first time I'd had ever run Pathfinder. It's not the first time that Brian and I have played
1: Pathfinder. No, it was the second time.
0: Yeah, we need to, we need to, so that was a, that was a little misadventure we had at, at MACE, the Mid-Atlantic Convention Expo. We should record that episode soonish.
1: We should, so the guy was local, we should hunt him down and record it with him.
0: Oh yeah, bring him aboard and tell him what a terrible job he did.
1: You ruined this game for us, here's
2: a list of hell.
0: (laughs) Here are the lessons that you should learn. No, that, that sounds awful and obnoxious. Um. He, well, anyway, we'll we'll cover that on that episode. But uh, you know what? I will say this. It sounds obnoxious. Recording this every week is making me much thicker skinned about feedback. And I noticed that you guys, every week or every other week now when we run, if the session didn't go as great, you guys used to always be super polite. Like, no, Dusty, it was great. Good game. Peace out. Have a good one. Uh, but now, if things don't go well, um you, you don't mind telling me what... what went poorly and why. Feedback is precious. It is precious. And
1: And that's a business concept.
0: Absolutely. And the show has really thickened my skin as far as the ability to take feedback. And I think it's made you guys more aware of giving feedback. So when a session doesn't go well, like Brian, you especially, if we finished up and the session didn't go well, you're like, you know, next time we should do this instead. So...
2: I think we've also matured as players so that we can identify what didn't and didn't work, right? So so we know that line between I understood that this didn't go as well as I thought it should uh, versus this didn't go as well because I'm a stupid player and I don't know how to play.
0: So let's do something a little different this episode. Before we jump into Black Fang's dungeon, because it's more recent, because we remember it more, and we don't have to jog our memories quite as hard. Let's open up with our first impressions. A um, A Pathfinder? no of that of that exact session so this is the session where we went into black things dungeon we took out some goblins um there there were a few puzzle encounters was there were a few our, statues was
1: this our first game with nathan
0: no, no the first game with nathan was the l5r game
1: okay was this the one where he where he uh, used uh, the Pythagorean nope. theorem? Okay. No that
0: that was that was definitely the L5R game. Okay. but I mean, Nathan was definitely in this game
1: because it kind of, it's kind of hard to separate out my feelings of this game without Nathan specifically. and that, that that's because I think that I think in terms of who I'm playing with as much as anything, and that's not a comment specifically about Nathan, it's just like literally we started just started playing with him around the same time.
0: Yeah, we had played a few adventures. We played uh, the L5R game. He joined us for that. He joined us for quite a few of the D one hundred games.
2: Yep,
1: I really like Nathan, so I enjoy playing with him. Yeah, so I think I think that's colored my um, opinion a little bit, but not it hasn't not in a substantial way.
0: So how does that relate to this session?
1: Um, so I think that coming in early on, again, we hadn't been playing with him long, so we were still going through a feeling out period. Uh, honestly, I mean, he'll he'll listen to this, but um, we all had dinner after I think the first game where Nathan played, and we just talked about, it's like, hey, how was the how was the game? Did you enjoy playing with Nathan? That's uh, right. Be- we
0: went to Iron Grill, yeah, and uh, he went home. We went to Iron yeah. Grill, and we basically. Did kind of like a almost a post interview assessment
1: yeah it's kind of where... like it's kind of like what Jason and I did after we hung out with you for the first time oh I,
0: yeah i 've heard that story, so
1: uh <laughs> so uh you're know, like, yeah, we like him it's fun we'll see how it goes, so we're still feeling it out now, I have a very firm understanding of what the game is going to be like with him, but at that point, not only were we filling that out, we were still trying to play this new system, and this is it shouldn't feel so different from. D and D, but you're basically going back a system and a half. Yeah, so it did feel different. Well, and
0: it feels, feels different too because um, this is the first game that wasn't a one shot after like roughly a year and a half of, of just one shots. Yep. Yeah, we got burnout on our forty campaign, and we didn't really talk about this. I tried to start another secondary 4E campaign, which the prison break was the last game of that. It was it, I, basically I ran the uh, the. Geomorphic Dungeon, which we've never we we haven't covered on the show yet. We've we've mentioned it, but we haven't covered it. And then the Prison Break, which we did talk about. That was an early episode. Um, those were two games of me attempting to start a new campaign, and you guys just weren't having it. So I was like, you know what? We're gonna one shot different games, different characters, different systems, and we did that for like a year and a half.
2: Yeah, I think it was the the last game I ran, which is the last episode we talked about. I think it was the last game I ran with Wraithwood Cavern. And the Cultists of Bane that finally put a pin in our, okay, we're done with 4E. So after those six combat encounters took eight-plus hours, I think that was when... Yeah,
0: that was us being done with 4E. And then we went to um, BFRPG, but we were still in Fallcrest. We were still the same characters. You were still Stonewing and Malchior, et cetera. Yep. Um, and then we... That, that game died in, in, our, in BFRPG, no fault of the systems. And then we played in 5E, the Geomorphic and the Prison Break and that was the end of that campaign yep and that campaign world yep. which Brian now wants to revisit
1: yeah i i more the more the characters because i do miss them and again funny it's i'm playing basically mike's character from like high school
2: from like middle school so so malchior is a character name that i first gave uh, to a character when I first played Quest for Glory 1.
1: I, is that a shareware game?
2: That's that's an old Sierra game for, for the PC, so that's like the uh, split-off of King's Quest. So so in the gotcha. Sierra adventure games, you had Quest for Glory and King's Quest. I played Quest for Glory. Malkior was my Quest for Glory character name. So Pathfinder.
0: So the, the Pathfinder beginner box. Um, This, basically, um, I, I've mentioned the premise for this campaign before, but I told you guys, okay, I want to do a mini campaign. We've done one shots for a year and a half. I want to do a miniature campaign. And I and I said, I've got the beginner box and I've got a ton of Pathfinder stuff. I've got a shelf full of books, as you can see on Facebook. Um, Brian posted all, all my bookshelf stuff. I've got a ton of boxes of pawns. I mean, I think I have, in fact, I have every single box that's been released to this point. So here we are in 2017, every Pathfinder box of pawns that's been released. I own it. So I have a ton of Pathfinder stuff, but I said, you know what? To keep it simple, and to keep prep time low and to make it so that i can run this game after work without interfering with raising my five-year-old and holding down a job um i wanted to just run an entire campaign levels one through five out of nothing but the beginner box beginner box monsters beginner box pawns beginner box everything um and that was the, that was what i pitched you guys And you guys were like, great mini campaign sounds good so there are a couple things i want to talk about from the session um one of which is the pre-generated characters. I can't remember who picked first or how we picked. I do remember that Chris picked last, which is why he wasn't the rogue. because yep. Nathan claimed Mercial. Or no, Chris wasn't there for that first session.
2: That that's right. Yep.
0: Um, it's funny though, you two. So Brian and Mike, I still mix up your character sheets because in my mind, Mike's a wizard. Mike's a wizard.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have never so, played a wizard prior to this.
0: I still hand Ezra to so the fork the four characters are some of the iconic pathfinder characters so pathfinder for every class they have this iconic character that is that 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 embodies that class that you can play and the four that come in the beginner box are ezrin the human wizard mercial the the elven rogue um kyra the human cleric and then valeros the human fighter so i still hand ezrin's wizard character sheet to mike almost every time we play and then mike's like oh nope And he hands it to Brian, I'm like, oh, crap, yeah. Now I remember.
1: Yeah, I, uh, wizard was, I, especially to begin with, I really just basically played the wizard like he was a fighter, and it wasn't very effective. Um, To be fair, you didn't have a lot of spells. You you had that staff (laughs) and that
0: master's hand where you can throw it and retrieve it, like basically Captain America's shield.
1: I, I, well, so the funny, and the thing about that is, um, with that character, um, like, I wasn't invested in that character at all. He's pre-generated, so I'm just like screw it. So I'm not playing him at all, like the character's written out to be. So basically, uh, he's kind of a loser. He's a degenerate. He's depressed because he's just a level two wizard. Nobody gives a crap because of him. And
0: and in the picture of him, he's got gray hair. He's like he's like a sixty year old level two wizard.
1: Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I think he's in his fifties.
0: His actual backstory explains this. Yeah. But you're not playing his actual backstory.
1: Well, I mean, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So, um, but like all of his wizardy <laughs> wizardy stuff, I've actually just started using um, like all of his his spells and his feats and stuff like that. But the one thing I it didn't really register. Uh, he, he, he pre-generated. He has an intelligence of seventeen seventeen, which you pointed out. That's like ten points, ten IQ points per per level.
0: Yeah, well, there's an old article about that. Yeah, and the old article posits that he would have about a one seventy IQ.
1: Yeah, which of course, which is, is an
0: interesting way to think about
1: it. Yeah. So I've started trying. I've I've played him off now to be more like, um, like a lot of the, the the nerds that I've known throughout my life, who basically live in their basement. Uh, they're super smart, but they have no ambition, and uh, you know they only go out when they have to go out and things like that. So I've started trying to play him off like somebody who's clever without any ambition.
0: It wasn't, but a few sessions ago, that you said to me, "I really want to build my own character. I, w- I want. to. I-, I don't feel Ezra. Oh, yeah,
1: and, absolutely.
0: And then it was last podcast, literally last episode, last weekend, you said to me, you said on, on the podcast, in fact, um, that, that you're really digging Ezrin.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to, f- like, what I've started fleshing out, like, his personality and stuff, and uh, I've really felt that, um, it's like, he's a character I know. It's like, I know a lot of people like that. I mean, obviously, there are not that many people with an IQ of 170, uh, when it boils down to it in the world. I mean, gosh, that's four five five or six orders uh pardon me uh five or six uh standard deviations from you know uh, the average iq so there's not that many people in the world
0: yeah i have no idea what the iq range is like people
1: tell me their iq and i'm like okay yeah they're probably Hey, how do you know that it, yeah i have no idea i don't know what mine is yeah so, how did anyway but um but it's it's abnormally high it's abnormal. high. Yeah,
0: once one seventy. Yeah. would would be yeah. So, but he's out there.
1: Yeah, so um, I I'm basically playing him off like he's a nerd who uh, loves Robotech, lives in his basement with his parents. Except he's now you know a fifty year old. He's been he's, thrust out into the world. Thrust out in the world, and he he's trying to avenge his father, uh, who was murdered. Uh, wrongfully accused. Well, well wrongfully
0: slash rightfully accused. If you read the actual backstory. Yeah.
1: So. Um, that's, yeah, that's how I'm playing him out. I really, I'm really digging it. So you, so you didn't mind the pre-generated character? I did to begin with. I not You don't did to know. begin with, you don't know. I don't know.
2: I think the turning point for you and Ezran was the game where you played him just as if I'm not a good wizard at all. Yes. Like you came right out and said, <laughs> I am a terrible wizard. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's
1: trying, he's trying to cheat his way into being <laughs> yes. a good wizard. Uh, yes. Yeah. So like if, if he can find, if he can find something to like steal, or, uh, like, I don't think he's tried to pay somebody because we have coin now because yep. of our adventure. So he has some money. So I, I'd love to actually for him to encounter another wizard who may be higher level, but down on his luck. So he can maybe pay that wizard to maybe, uh, go, go to bat for him, you know, like, uh, try to try to impress people. I don't know. It's kind of like a sitcom is kind of how. He's like a sitcom loser.
2: He's going to outsource his wizard skills. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Hey, can you charge this wand for me? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: so Mike, Kyra, we've talked on the show about how tired you got of your 4E cleric. So tired that we turned him into a bad guy and killed him. Yep. Um, But here you are playing a cleric, playing a healer again. What do you think?
2: Um... Overall, I'm happy with the character. I like her backstory. I I think it's kind of amazing that both uh, uh, Nathan and I are playing women, and it actually hasn't imploded (laughs) on itself or the campaign at all yet. So, Uh Yeah, I've read
0: post after post about not letting players play characters uh, of of a different gender than they are, um, just because of the problems it can lead to and the shenanigans, etc. But no, you and Nathan are playing it. Perfectly straight. I mean, these are strong, independent female characters. Yeah, it's worked out well. they're undeniably strong, they're undeniably independent, and they're undeniably female.
2: Yeah. Uh, But for the cleric herself, it's it's definitely heavy, heavy towards healing. I do like that I do have a few damage spells I can do, so I don't feel like I'm just always only throwing heals. Um, She's got a decent melee attack. And then, of course, if we encounter an undead, except for the one that I won't talk about because I'm sure we'll talk about that later, uh, when I do encounter that undead, I, I have those innate abilities to, to counter and turn undead. Um, but yeah, overall, as a character, I think she's solid. She's probably, I would say, the best pre-built I've played so far of all of our pre-built characters. She's she's balanced. She- she's uh, got a good backstory. She- she's got good stats.
0: So let's talk about generating characters from a- any lessons learned there. So in 4E... You guys never used pre-builds. We literally never used pre-builds. The yep. the 4th edition Essentials Red Box did a great job of playing you through this choose your own adventure game where at the end of it you'd built you'd built a character. Yep. And then you guys extensively used the character builder to roll characters. Yeah. When we played 5e games, that Walter Kramer 5th edition character sheet app for both iOS and Android, we we all love it and you guys always rolled your own 5th edition characters. Yep. Except for a few one shots like the Ninja Turtles, which I rolled, for a lot of the one shots I rolled your characters for for the year of one shots I rolled them, or they were pre rolled in the books.
2: You know, I think I think now that I've played a bunch of pre generated characters, I've become better at rolling my own because I think when I started out rolling my own, I was way too focused on on mid maxing and trying to to stat or to game the stats. Um, now that I've played more pre generated characters, I think I've noticed the the importance of rolling a more balanced character?
1: You know, I, like, I've like i never been one to adhere to all of the gameplay mechanics. So as long as I can have a good time with the character, even if, they, even if they have a fault and I can play into it somehow, I'm fine with it. Especially over the last couple of years, really gotten more into the RPing aspect, more so than just the mechanics aspect. So I'm typically pretty good with just uh, dealing with whatever cards I'm dealt.
0: That's fair. So, as with so many other lessons on RPG Lessons Learned, the lesson is, there's no one way to do it, right? Rolling your own is great. Um, pre-generateds are great as long as you mix the two and the group knows what you're up to and what you're thinking as, as a GM. Um, but yeah, pre-generateds have been good. They've expanded my horizons as well, Mike. I like that you said that as far as, oh, that's an interesting idea. That's an interesting mechanic. That's an interesting thought. Um, I'd never thought to build a character that way or, or to think about I I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting. I I enjoy looking at other people's built characters. Yeah. To get ideas and thoughts for how I might. So so yeah, a good health of a good good healthy mix of pre generated. But here we are playing an entire campaign with pre generated characters. Is Kyra Mike starting to uh, wear thin a bit, or are you still enjoying it?
2: I'm still enjoying her. Um, as I level up, I get some some expansion into giving her some more damage abilities. Maybe focusing a little less on the healing. Um so that's been working out pretty well.
0: Then how about you Brian as you level up or as you continue to play? Well we've already covered it really. Ezra's not chafing, you're growing into him.
1: I'm growing into him um and I've missed a couple games. So I guess relatively speaking even though the rate at which the characters level up is different is it, it is No 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 it's wrong. No, 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 it's, no the same. It, it's it's the same. same. So <clears throat> which I, yeah so it I guess that sort of feeds into the fact that Ezrin is not as developed as the other characters. The only two
0: players that haven't missed a session at all are Nathan and Mike. So Nathan and Mike have the highest overall experience points. And then close second is is actually I accidentally hit the table that time. Uh close second is Brian. So Brian, you're right on their heels. You're you're only a level behind. You're, Which is you're fitting. Le- you're level three to their level four. Which is fitting, though. Yep. <laughs> And then Chris, just because of work, and 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 his daughter is much younger than mine. And movies coming out. Um, Yep. (laughs) uh,
2: (laughs) Chris will listen to this. I'm not
1: not speaking out of turn. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. He he went to listen to Guardians or sorry, he went to watch Guardians of Galaxy two one night. Which who can blame him? Oh yeah, a great um, movie. But he's lagging behind, and even he is only roughly a level behind.
2: Yep. 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 Anyway, a a thought that just came into mind. I, I think. I think what's really helped us glom on and adopt these characters, these pre-gen characters in this campaign was your efforts to do one game a piece. That was a character focus centric game. So when, when you did the Kyra episode and you did the mercy episode and you did the Ezran episodes, I think that really helped us grow and kind of attach to these pre, -pre pre-generated characters.
1: Yeah. I like, I don't disagree with that when it's your game, but in a game, and this is feedback I gave Dusty. It's specific yeah, it gamer feedback.
0: Let's save some of it for that actual session, okay? Because we, we have a lot. We have a lot of Pathfinder. We have a lot to talk about. Sessions I'll save it. To talk I'll about. save it. I'll yeah, save l- it. let's save that one. But what I do want to say is, um, this is this this Black Fang's dungeon right out of the book was the first adventure we did in this campaign. And before we ran the adventure, I had laid out for you guys the concept for the campaign. Yeah, a whole campaign out of one box using these pre gens. So. These are, So, building on lessons that I have actually learned through years of, of GMing, this is a campaign with a concept. And the end of this campaign is the end of the beginner box. When you guys hit level 5, we're done. We're going to do something different. Will we ever come back? I don't know, maybe. But I think when we hit level 5, and you kind of graduate from the town of Sandpoint, I think that's the end of the game. Um, and, and, and so, we had already time-boxed at levels 1 through 5. We had already limited the scope you know, bad guys from Beginner Box and all that. We we pre-limited it. So walking into a campaign with a clear sense of boundaries and a clear sense of of purpose and goal and concept and limitation, I found that really fun and helpful.
2: I would agree with that. I think that also helps in understanding that some of the investment I put into this character is with the understanding that one day I will stop playing this character. And so that's kind of helped me Help me understand how much I should I should put into and get attached to this character as well. And it
0: makes the characters not so precious. Exactly. Because we know we're going to move on. And that's okay. Yep. It's good that we're going to move
2: on. It, it, it makes me a little more bold in combat to be like, oh, well, if I die here, then we'll figure something out between now and the end of the campaign.
0: So let's talk about Black Fang's dungeon. There there are 10 different areas. First of all, the beginner box as a product is phenomenal. I love the beginner box. The, the fact that it comes with pawns, like 60-some pawns. Um, like pawns being kind of cardboard miniatures that stand up, um, is phenomenal. And then the, the this adventure is... It's a very traditional first... It's a very traditional box-set first adventure. Um, it ends with a dragon. It starts out with goblins. There are... Um, every room has a different purpose. You encounter basically everything the game has to offer. There's a room with a puzzle. There's a room with a trap. There's rooms with monsters. But... Every room has has something to offer. Um,
2: I like how on the uh, on page sixteen about game mastering, it has a, a fat guy with a double chin, with his mouth wide open, pointing in the distance with what's clearly a game manual in his hand. So it's 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 got there. This is what a game master is. It's a big <laughs> fat guy who yells at you. <laughs> Sorry,
0: in our experience. So, but the rooms. Every room in this dungeon is is basically a page in the book. So at the top, you know, I'm looking at page four of the, of the Game Master's Guide, the, the hundred and some page booklet that comes with the beginner box. And, you know, every area of the dungeon is a page and it describes, okay, hey, here's the Goblin Ambush with two unarmored Goblins. And here's what, here's, you know, how combat goes. Here's how to think about combat. Here's what to read to your players as, as you play this. And, and I ad libbed a lot of this stuff. I've, I've definitely learned not to run pre generated adventures. Just as they come, so I ad lib a tremendous amount of this. But just stepping through it, I mean, there's the goblin ambush. There's a goblin cave with you know you can explore the, kind of their bedrolls and their crappy treasure chests and, and all that. There's a magical fountain. that You guys put some coins in. Um, there's an altar uh, with a trap and uh, puzzles and all this. There is of course the obligatory first adventure giant spider nest with spider webs. There's the there's the, a pillar. There's a water-based room, the, the giant pool and and some water-based enemies. There's more goblins. There's skeletons. There's undead. And then if you get to the end, and you decide to, there's a dragon. So Mike, at the end of Cobalt Hall, we talked about the White Dragon Vestenjedrix or whatever its name actually was, um, that you fought at the end of Cobalt Hall. The the red box, the D and D red box, which we haven't covered. Um, or did we cover that? No, we did. We did. We did. That had the white dragon. Um, and here we are with another beginner adventure with, with the dragon. And this has this whole deadly encounter red text warning. Um, I am going to point something out. Um, the Dragon Bane Longsword. So this is the only piece of fudging that I did. That Dragon Bane Longsword, which is listed here because it's really important to this combat... It actually comes from the only room that you guys refused to clear. So the that, that's us. <laughs> the only bit of fudging that I did, cause, cause you guys are struggling with this dragon, is I, I put the dragon bane longsword in its horde. So let's, let's, I don't want to talk too much about the whole, the adventure as a whole, but I want to cover that last combat because we walked through the adventure. We, 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 did the rooms. Uh, it felt a little, um, a little stilted because we were doing rooms in a pre generated dungeon, which, yep. which is fine. Um, but we got through it pretty quickly, and we got to this last combat. And this last combat was really dramatic and interesting and fun. And uh you guys, the one room you hadn't cleared is the room that has this dragonbane longsword, which is a plus three against dragons. And this dragon had a, a pretty high AC. Its AC was twenty one, which at first level, taking something on with that AC twenty one, you got to roll really high to even hit this thing. Yep. I um, mean, you guys were rolling, 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 and some some of you had had zero bonus to hit. So it was literally impossible for you to hit this dragon without critting. Like you had to crit to hit.
2: Yeah. My, uh, my cleric had plus zero to, to hit.
0: So I really wanted to get this, this long sword in your hand. So I had you guys roll a few perception checks and then I let one of you notice this, this sword with kind of a dragon carved around the hilt, um, in the, the dragon's hoard in the pile of treasure. And I let one of you make a break for it. And uh, that's the only fudging I did. Other than that, I played the dragon ruthlessly, learning from you, Mike. I, I played the other monsters in this adventure ruthlessly. You guys were down on hit points. And the three of you, so it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was the three of you, because Chris didn't make this game. So it was it was Ezran, it was Kyra, and it was Mercial. You had no tank. And the three of you were able, with no fudging, aside from putting the sword where it wasn't, to take out this dragon because Kyra abandoned combat, made a break for it, grabbed the sword and came back. And as I recall, this ended on a critical. Yep. Who was it?
2: You that crit? I think it was me with the 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 Dragonbane sword. So,
0: you were about to die. You, you everyone else was down. Ezra yep. was down, Merciel was down.
2: I had like 3 hit points left.
0: You had 3 hit points left. This dragon if it hit, if it hit you and it hit basically every turn, you were about to die. And uh all of a sudden you crit. Yep. And a crit and then you confirmed your crit. And a crit in Pathfinder does double damage. Yep. So you rolled your double damage, and you barely took it out. I mean, I think you, had, you, you, you either exactly took out its hit points, or you had one damage point left to spare that, that, that took it down. But man, that was barely, with no fudging. That was dramatic. Like, I remember when you beat the dragon, you guys were, like, everyone, pit of your stomach, you guys were all like, oh.
2: Yeah, we, we, were, we, were, we were pretty stoked when it happened, too. It was, it was a good session.
0: So I changed the hook into this adventure. I had you guys actually. So instead of having the mayor beg you for help with this black dragon, I thought that's not very interesting to me. The black dragon. I mean, they can speak dragons and Pathfinder and D and D. They can they can speak Common. So it's not a, it's not a dumb monster hanging out in the edge of town. This thing, it wants treasure, and it's a young black dragon. You know what? How do young dragons accumulate treasure? They, they just go around trying to find treasure, and I mean, no, It'd be much more effective if they had kind of a crime syndicate had minions going out. So I made this dragon kind of the head of a local crime syndicate. And the guy that directed you, the farmer that asked for your help, was really a con man working for the dragon. And his job, so Sandpoint is this kind of port town, is to take strangers that are new in town and convince them to kill this dragon, when in reality the dragon is more than capable of overpowering them and then taking their coins, their armor, their weapons... Taking their stuff, and that's one of several ways this dragon was accumulating wealth. Um, that, to me, was a much more interesting story than a dragon hanging out in a, in a in a dungeon populated with skeletons and goblins.
2: And I remember giving you a hard time for that because I don't think I understood that you know dragons. Dragons in this world were were talking, intelligent dragons, and able of having crime syndicates. And I had a hard time <laughs> wrapping my mind around this 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 mobster dragon going around running a protection
1: racket.
0: Yeah, you were, wait a minute! This dragon's a mobster. Yeah, this dragon's a gangster. Brian, what
1: is it? That's kind of crazy. I now that I think of it, I mean, it's very Tolkien esque, I guess, kind of dragon.
0: Which is yeah, which is kind of what I was going for. Yeah, I yeah. wanted something interesting and different. You know, logical or not. I think you can get away with the logical. You can't get away with boring.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, I, I, I don't think it's crazy. It's just when I think of dragons, I don't think of the. Funny enough, when people think of fantasy, they think right. of Tolkien. But when I think of dragons, I do not think of the Tolkien-esque dragon. I think of like the dumb dragon that. Yeah, same I think here. Of the Aetherian the Legend legends of
2: dragons, where they're they're they creatures, they're dumb dumb creatures. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Kind of like the.
0: The guy from Ghostbusters too. I can never remember his name, but he's the He uh, no no no, Yanush. Yeah yeah that nice. guy. He he played in, in the movie The Dragon Slayer.
1: He, oh, I don't know the name of the actor, but
0: I think of dragons like in like in that world. It didn't speak. It didn't talk. It wasn't smart. It was a monster. Yeah. Um. That's how I think of them too. But and, and, I mean. And this thing's languages, it's common as listed.
2: And I think, uh, I think to your credit, that definitely worked out because that the the fact that a dragon could have a crime syndicate and a protection racket, I think that inspired Nathan that oh, I could have a crime syndicate and a protection racket, and that that's a huge foundation yeah, it, of, of his character. It, it, it
0: led into some more games that that we'll get into later, but yep. um, so lessons learned, right? Don't even even in a beginner adventure. Even if it's your first game, look at what's on the page and make it make sense in your head. If things don't make sense, if you read that and you're like, mm, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this dragon hanging out here? Make it make sense. Ask yourself why and come up with a story. And even if you never, and, and don't write it down. Don't prep this on the page. Don't worry about that, but just kind of sit and think for a few minutes before you run. And that to me is the most vital prep session after session. Thanks to the beginner box, the stats are done the CR is done. Like I and the monster selections limited enough that I I can pretty quickly pick out monsters for for next week's adventure. Um that's all done. What's not done is taking a minute to think about what makes sense and what doesn't to you and letting the players uncover that. And and that's what has made this campaign work. By by limiting myself on the monsters, by limiting myself on the heroes, I can have more fun with the concepts.
2: I would agree with that.
0: So We ended the session. You guys had barely beaten the dragon. We were so relieved and uh, like we, we couldn't. It's one of those moments. It's one of those magical moments where after a session, you don't want to go your separate ways. Like, oh man, that was adrenaline pumping and all that. I don't want to go home yet. So we went and we did dinner at Red Robin. Do you remember that? Yep. It's like, like, let's go get some dinner. Let's, let's, let's go talk about this some more. And we, we recounted the different portions of the combat and who was down to what hit points and and the next game and that's so rare it's rare to have one of those sessions so yep. i spend a lot of time on the show giving myself a really hard time about things i did wrong that another lesson for for gms is that when you have something magical happen in a session take a minute even if even if everyone does have to leave and go home and they have obligations whatever take a minute and appreciate what just happened and what you facilitated and what the group facilitated and what you catalyzed as far as a group of people having a great time and getting some adrenaline going about this completely fictional adventure that you've all collaborated on. Enjoy your victories. And this was a victory. What a great way, even though it was a pre-made dungeon, what a great way
1: to kick off what has become a pretty fun campaign. I agree. Yeah. Anything you guys would add to that? Dude, not really. Uh, not without uh, getting too far ahead and talking about other games, so... Yeah.
0: This is the first pre-written adventure that I ran where I said, so I've talked about other episodes. Hey, here's an introductory dungeon. Here's a dungeon crawl. And I didn't tweak it and it wasn't fun. Here's one that I tweaked and it was fun. So this is the realization of previous lessons learned, right? Yeah. Uh, Lesson learned I learned before is, Hey, I should tweak. I should tweak. I should tweak. And then boom, I tweaked and it worked. So, you know, for me, lesson learned confirmed for me, tweak your beginner dungeons. Make it make sense to you. Share that with the players. And that's RPG Lessons Learned this week. Awesome. So RPGLessonsLearned.com. All the, the subscribe buttons are there. Uh, if you haven't joined us before, hopefully you'll want to listen to more of us. This is episode... 15. 15? Maybe 16? It's 15. It's 15? Okay. This is episode 15. Uh, we have way more to record, and we have a lot of history, so check us out. And we have a guest coming up. That's right. Next episode, we're going to have Tanner with us from Shadow of the Cabal. So, Brian, can you put the link to their podcast in the show notes? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Awesome. Shadow of the Cabal is, frankly, right now, It's. It, I'm not just saying this because he's coming on the air. I've said it before on Reddit. It's my favorite actual play podcast that I have listened to from from beginning to, to where they are right now. Um, it's a great L5R Legend of the Five Rings podcast. It's about samurai operating in... in um, Rokugan, which is which is not feudal Japan, but it's an awful lot like it. A uh, great actual play podcast, uh, great game master, interesting system, very very interesting world. Um, love their show. i Am delighted to have him on. He's going to talk about one of his sessions, and he's going to walk us through the lessons that he learned as a GM. So really looking forward to having that conversation. All right. Thank you for listening. People call them post-mortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.